0: How are we doing? My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer. Glad you're with us today. Uh, Excited. We're we're starting off a new series in the book of Ephesians, and that's going to be good times here for the next few months, and excited about that. Uh, Obviously, apologies if you were one who did make your side dish and brought it today, and you didn't see the announcement in advance uh, obviously not the most lovely day for a cookout, so hopefully next week will be better. Uh, just a clarification, Redeemer Men event will actually, it's on Realm, posted that way. It will be at Pastor Chad's house. He would love to have us all over at his place this time. And so we're going to be at, at Chad's house this Wednesday night. Uh, the address is on Realm. If you have any trouble finding that, just email me, Chris, at Redeemer Bloomington, and I'll get you straight away on, on where to go. Uh, we're going to gather at his place Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., uh, and then again, yeah, we really could still use a lot more help with the care clinic. We also will be going back to two gatherings at the start of August at 9 and 11 on August 1st. And so uh, as we work towards that, we really want to be able to fully open Redeemer Kids. And so we could still use several more volunteers. If you've been around for about six months here at the church, uh, you're willing to submit to doing a background check uh, and you pass that. That's also key. Uh, then we would love to talk to you about serving with Redeemer Kids so we can get that fully back open and operational, like a fully operational uh, Death Star um, over there next door. Uh, excited for that. Well, when we prayed uh, just kind of about a theme for this year, uh, after last year, it was, it was very clear that unity needed to be a big part of, of that focus. Um, and, and so, you know, reflecting on last year, which none of us want to do ever again. Uh, but, uh, you know, going through the pandemic um, and all the kind of turmoil and division that has resulted from that, uh, the killings of Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, and then yet another super fun election season uh, with all the, the trappings involved with that, all, all of which only seemed to highlight the intense divisiveness that exists in our world, in our culture. Uh, And and so remembering that Jesus calls us together as churches to be set apart, to be different from the world around us. He tells us that the world will be able to tell that we belong to him by what? By our love for one another. Our unity. It's clear that, that we needed to be reminded of our unity in Christ that we are to be one church with one mission to make much of Jesus and to share him with the city around us. And that led us to the book of Ephesians, right? Paul's letter to the Ephesians was actually likely not a letter only addressed to the church at Ephesus originally. In fact, uh, some scholars believe at, the, you know, at Ephesus was actually added later, uh, but that it was a circular letter to all the churches in the region around Ephesus, in that whole region of Asia Minor, that was circulated to each of those churches, uh, what, what that means is that this isn't just a letter for one specific church in one specific place at one specific moment in history, but it is a letter for every church, for the capital C church, the unified church, everywhere in every age. And the central message of this letter is that Jesus reconciles people uh, of all races and cultures by bringing them to himself through faith in Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. By grace, through faith, Jesus makes them one with him and one with one another. Ephesians highlights our oneness as saints together in Christ. And what a message of unity for us as a a local body of believers here, a Redeemer, and what a message of hope for a fractured, hate-filled, divisive, and angry world that we live in. As we begin our study of this letter, it's also valuable to remember that, that this is first and foremost a single letter. Right? It's a single letter. When it was first circulated to those original recipient churches, it was originally delivered uh, not, not with chapter and verse numbers with it. Those, those came later as well. It was simply a letter that would have been received, would have been brought to the congregation, and read in its entirety. And so uh, at the suggestion of one of our very own members, that's what we're going to do today. Uh, And it's not just because I didn't have a lot of time for sermon prep, Uh, but because it's valuable to hear this as a single letter, we're actually going to take the time to read the entire book of Ephesians today, uh, together. And so to do that, I'm going I'm to have Aaron Whistler and uh, Pastor Jesse, I think, is going to come up with me. Pastor Chad, uh, his grandfather passed away, so he's unable to, to be with us today. But um, So they're going to come up here. You guys want to come start making your way? Uh, normally, if you're here, we would have you stand together for the reading of God's Word, and we're going to invite you to stay seated because it's going to be a long reading. But w- we would encourage you to, to open your Bibles, Right? Or Open one of those Bibles on your row and follow along as we read the entire book. And I would encourage you, if you're someone that's so inclined to to make some notes and notations in your Bible, that I would encourage you that each point where you see kind of reference to our togetherness, to our unity, to our oneness, maybe underline that. And, And even more importantly, at every point where you see the words in Christ, in him, or some variation of that, underline that. As this letter is all about our unity together in Christ, right? So, Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 6. This will be a little different So we been reading like one verse a time the last few weeks, but, but here we go. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. The gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers.
1: In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason,
2: I Paul. We good. Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> for this reason, I Paul, <clears throat> a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly.
0: Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, And is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you.
1: Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband.
2: Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. "'Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. "'Knowing that whatever good anyone does, "'this he will receive back from the Lord, "'whether he is a bondservant or is free. "'Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, "'knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, "'and that there is no partiality with him. "'Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. "'Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand "'against the schemes of the devil.' For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am, how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, will, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks guys. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be in this place and today to truly sit under your word and to just let it wash over us to let a grab hold of our hearts in the places that we need to be grabbed hold of, to convict, to encourage, to build up, to stir up, that we might live as your people together in Christ. That's our prayer, Lord, that you would bind us together as, as your body here, that you would help us to be known that we are with you because of our love for one another, our love for our city, our desire to share Jesus with others. Lord, would you empower us by your grace, by your spirit, equip us to do every good work that you've called us to do for your glory, for our joy. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, long scripture reading requires a long sermon, so we'll be here till about 6 p.m. now uh, to unpack those six chapters. Piece by piece no uh, I 'm not going to do that it 's actually going to be rather swift from here but, but Ephesians really is a, a masterpiece of a letter uh, it 's no surprise when you read through that and you sit and you listen to all that to, to understand that this was actually uh, the, the great reformer, great theologian John Calvin this was his favorite of the epistles. Uh, the, the letter is perfectly divided as you as you heard into two halves if you're, if you're listening closely there. The first three chapters, chapters one through three. Uh, It's just all about the gospel. It's all about God's story, his story of redeeming a people for himself. How God in Christ rescues us and reconciles us to God, reconciles us to one another in the church. While chapters four through six are really all about the outworking of God's story into our stories. How the gospel gives shape to our life together in Christ. Let me just run through some of the highlights of what we just, what we just heard, right? Next week, we're going to uh, get introduced to one of the most glorious, run-on sentences in the history of the world. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 in the Greek is, is one sentence, like no punctuation. Paul is just exploding in praise at all the spiritual blessings that we possess in Christ. He just can't even stop to take a breath. He just is erupting in in worship, and that's what we'll see next week. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it fixes our gaze on God's amazing grace that brings us, not from being like people who need a little bit of help, but brings us from death. Dead in our sins is where we stand apart from Jesus, and he brings us from death to life through faith in Christ. And the second half of chapter 2 highlights the peacemaking, reconciling power of the gospel as Jesus brings people of every nation, race, and language together and makes us one new humanity in the church. In chapter 3, we'll get to encounter Paul's magnificent prayer for us that we would grasp the mind-blowing dimensions of God's love for us, that he would love you And me and pursue us at our very worst to make us one with him and one with one another. Then in chapter four, the letter moves us to begin focusing on how the gospel gives shape to our stories. How God's story shapes our story and and our lives together. And Paul tries to hammer into our heads with the repeated use of the word one in the opening verses of chapter four. That we are to do all we can, every effort on our part to seek to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, to fight for that unity. The Spirit gives the unity, we don't make the unity, but we are to work together with the Spirit to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's followed by Paul showing us how unity doesn't equal uniformity, right? We're diverse people with diverse gifts, and we are to work together to build up the body and live on mission to share Jesus with others. Chapter 5 gives us, again, all sorts of practical instructions on how the gospel shapes our lives and relationships within the church and also within the home. And in chapter 6, we are reminded that we encounter spiritual warfare in this world. And we are encouraged to stand firm together in Christ as we put on the whole armor of God. I'm really looking forward to our time together in this book over the, the coming weeks and, and months. But for today, for today we're, just, we're just going to focus our attention on just the first couple of verses. So we read all that to just talk about two verses today. You're welcome. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right away, our uh, our attention is focused on the big idea of this whole letter as we see our identity in Christ How that identity gives shape to our lives and how we receive that identity. That means what just happened all before right now was just called an introduction. You're welcome. Uh, First, we see our identity in Christ. Paul addresses this letter to the saints who are faithful in Christ. To the saints who are faithful in Christ. Now, if you grew up Catholic, this is going to sound maybe a little bit weird to you. Because the Catholic view of saints is is a little different. It's a very complex thing. Catholic sainthood kind of started historically as a way to honor those Christians who were martyred. They were killed for their faith. Uh, But then over the years, it it got a lot more political uh, and and a lot more involved, where there is this very thorough process involved in identifying someone as a saint. So for Catholics, Saints end up being kind of like the superheroes of the faith, of church history. It's a special title, a reserve title for the most elite of the elite of the most faithful Christians who, who've ever walked the earth. But that's not how the Bible uses the term saints. And that's not how Paul is using the term saints right here in his letters to the churches. For the Bible, for Paul, saints is a term that is referring to every believer in Christ, all Christians in general, you are saints you're saints if you're in Christ you are a saint you don't need to have performed any miracles that have been recorded and could be testified to you you need only put your faith in Jesus that's what makes you a saint you are saints great but what's what is a saint what does it mean to be a saint The Greek word for saint literally means holy ones, holy ones. Holy meaning set apart by God, chosen by God. God has set you apart. He has called you Christian. He set you apart as his holy ones. That is to say, your holiness and your sainthood is not based on what you can do for God, but on what God in Christ has done for you. You are saints together in Christ because Jesus has made you saints together in Christ. And and that is so much better, right? It's it's a proud moment for me to say I'm Crystal's husband, and that's really the way it works in our marriage. I'm I'm her husband, uh, you know. But it's, it's a lot better when she says that I'm her husband, when she tells me that that's who I am. It means so much more than just when I say it. Friends, Jesus says to us, believers in Christ, you are saints, my holy ones, set apart for me. Your sainthood isn't dependent on your up and down performance, day by day, moment by moment. It's not based on what you say about yourself. It's based on what Jesus, the Son of God, says about you, what he has done. He calls you saint, and that is who you are. That is your most fundamental identity in Christ. You are saints together in Christ. Yes, you still sin. You still fall in your sin daily. And I fall in my sin daily. But if you are in Christ, sinner is no longer your primary identity. You're not marked by that sin anymore. But you're marked by the finished work of Christ. And he calls you saints. We see our identity in Christ as saints, but then we also see how our identity in Christ gives shape to our lives. Again, this letter is addressed to the saints who are faithful in Christ. You can get a lot more background on Ephesus and Paul's ministry there in Ephesus if you go back and read Acts chapter 19. Uh, I encourage you to do that sometime this week, to go look at Acts 19. And, and from Acts 19, what you're going to learn is that Ephesus is a very diverse city. It's a city made up of people from all over the known world, uh, a city of business and commerce. But it's also a very pagan city that is devoted to idolatry. In particular, Ephesus is known was known historically for its temple for the Greek goddess Artemis. It is a dark place. Uh, of all sorts of twisted kind of worship going on, uh, and and you get a sense uh, as to why Paul might give so much emphasis in this letter for Christ's supremacy over the devil and demonic powers. That's the context of Ephesus to which Paul addresses the church as saints who are faithful in Christ. In the midst of that, they are to be faithful. They are faithful in Christ. This identity shows itself in faithfulness. Like to be a saint, to live as a saint, means that you are going to increasingly display faithfulness to God in your life, even in the midst of a culture that is absolutely opposed to Christ. Living as the saint that Jesus says that you are, living by faith in Jesus, that's what it means to be faithful. That means that you're not simply swept up in the waves of the culture. As Paul says in chapter 4, tossed to and fro by the waves. That means that, that you're not simply swept up, but embracing and celebrating whatever the culture embraces and celebrates at the moment. But living as saints, set apart holy lives of godliness, lives of worship and devotion to Christ, lives of hospitality and mission for Christ, lives of unity and care. For the body of Christ, that is to say that your being a saint will show itself in the way that it gives shape to your living, to your compassion, to your kindness, to your faithfulness, to your boldness, to your generosity. It will show itself in your life. And we'll dive into that deeper when we get to chapters four through six. But, but we end our study today of these opening verses seeing what will be the focus of the first three chapters of this letter, how we receive our identity in Christ. Paul shares his very common greeting as he writes his epistles. As you look through the, the New Testament, the, the letters of Paul, he very, very commonly greets in this way almost every time, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this greeting. I love this greeting. In fact, I steal this greeting on almost anything I write and I, I'll, I'll sign it, grace and peace. Grace and peace. That's how much I love this greeting. Paul combines, when he says this greeting every time, he's combining a traditional Greek uh, greeting with a little twist and combining that with the traditional Jewish greeting. He offers the Greek word for grace, chorus, which in the Greek sounds very much like the common Greek greeting, which is actually the rejoice, right, Uh, in the original language. We kind of lose how they sound together because uh, grace and rejoice don't sound much alike in English, but in the Greek they do. He just kind of twists it a little bit with a word that sounds very very similar. And then he combines that with a Jewish greeting of shalom, which is usually translated as peace, but, but entails so much more than peace. Shalom is really about things as, as the way God intended for them to be. Creation in its fullness and its developedness. The way God intended for things to grow and develop apart from sin. That's shalom. Glory, right? Peace. Welfare. Those are common words that that shalom is translated into. But but it really means things restored as God intended them to be. Together, grace and peace are, are really words that are all about redemption. They're all about redemption. You are made a saint by grace. By grace, you are enabled to receive Jesus in faith and to experience the forgiveness of your sins. As we will see next week, God planned your redemption, this redemption in eternity past. And Jesus accomplished your redemption by, by coming and living the life, the sinless life you never could in your place. And dying the death that you deserve for your sins in your place. And being raised victorious over Satan, sin and death. He accomplishes your redemption and rescue. And it's the Holy Spirit that awakens your heart to trust in Christ. That enables you to even reach out and and believe and cling to Jesus in faith. Which means that you receive this redemption by grace alone. In other words, it's, it's all God's doing. God's the one who makes you a saint. It's all his doing from start to finish. He plans it. He accomplishes it. He even enables you to receive it. It's all his doing. And as a result of this grace, you receive peace. You receive peace. Peace with God. He welcomes you and He adopts you as His beloved child. I hope that you have the blessing of of really amazing friends in your life. The kind of friends that you know no matter what's going on in your life, when you get together with them, they're just going to welcome you in as you are. Whether It's joyful, whether you're sorrowful, whether you're grieving, whether you're celebrating, and they just welcome you and they receive you as family. And, friends, even if you are blessed with those sorts of friends in this life, what Jesus does is like infinitely beyond that. He welcomes you at your very worst, He covers your failings and your shortcomings, and He calls you family. He calls you saints. He welcomes you in, He he welcomes you home. Peace with God is what is, comes with grace. And, and Jesus not only does that, but he even makes peace with each other possible. Peace through all the divisions that we divide ourselves in this world. Whether it's politics or ethnicity and race. Whether it's you know, education background, socioeconomic, what's in the bank account kind of stuff. Whatever it is, Jesus tears down those dividing walls of hostility and he makes peace with one another possible. He saves us together into one family, people of every nation, race, and language into the church. He makes us one, one new humanity, it says at the end of Ephesians 2. But our unity is not uniformity. Read Revelation 7. John gets the vision of the church assembled before the throne of God in the new heavens, new earth, and he can identify people of every nation, tribe, and language before the throne of Jesus, worshiping together, which means that we don't lose our distinctiveness when we are brought together into this one new humanity. So what what Jesus does is he weaves us together into this beautiful transcultural tapestry that proclaims The glory of God and the beauty of Christ in His gospel. He makes us saints together in Christ. How do you get this identity? You don't earn it, you you don't work for it, you receive it as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. And here's how Jesus comes after you with overwhelming grace that you cannot resist. On your own, you could never cover your sins. You could never earn a place with God. You couldn't work for it. You couldn't do enough to ever get there. But Jesus comes storming into your life with everything required to make you his. Everything required to say to the world that you are a saint in Christ. All you need to do is simply believe him and receive his gift of grace and peace all you need is to do is to grab hold of Jesus and cling to his grace. And, and you will see him empowering you more and more to live as saints together in Christ. That's our prayer as we dive into this letter together. That Jesus, by his grace and by the power of his Holy Spirit, he would transform our lives together. Our church, he'd transform our church to live in this way more and more for his glory and for the good of our city. Let's pray.